Well, Mary Seed of Wisdom, welcome everyone. Welcome to Advent. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God. Yeah, you got me. You got me. All right. So I just thought we'd open up with one of actually my favorite Advent tunes. I love the banjo. I love the banjo. I found this group called the Hendersons, and it's a family. Uh, they're playing at some cabin, if you will, but uh, it's three sisters and a couple of brothers and moms on the, the big bass, standing bass. So. Um, I found this song there, I don't know how I did it, but just really coming in. There's a therapist over at Vivu, she's an Afro-American woman, and she's taken up the banjo. She's all excited. She loves the song. Wow. Yeah, and the young lady from playing a violin, and uh, yeah, I don't know what, it's a really tiny guitar. It has a very small neck, uh, probably not much more than... Inches. Uh, yeah. So I don't I don't know what kind of guitar it is, and her brother's playing a slide guitar. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty impressive. Turn this thing off, and you know I certainly wanted to welcome everyone. I welcomed everyone to Advent, and um, pick your brain, Ron, today because I've got a couple of questions that come to mind in some of the readings that we've been using lately. And I came across this in reference to uh, some of the Isaiah that we've been reading. And uh, I'm gonna read this. Uh, it is notable that in, God, in Isaiah, the ability to wait begins with God, not us. Strength of renewal begins there too. Uh, and this woman who wrote, she's a writer for Loyola Press, and she goes on to say that we can learn to bear heavy burdens because Jesus will teach us how, as he carries us. Interesting, during this Advent, we wait for God, but may we also wait with God. I just kind of wanted to pick your brain about this waiting with Advent and waiting with God. I mean, what, what's your take on all of that, Ron? Well, you know, for years, we've always had the Advent season, kind of a uh, preparation to celebrate Christmas, but the culture kind of ran away with Christmas, and it starts into Christmas right at Thanksgiving, and we've lost that uh, notion of expectation, realization, and then the afterglow, uh, which is 
so much a part of our life in other ways. I mean, if, if we're going to have a wedding, we don't, well, you can go to City Hall, obviously, but that's not how most people do that. Uh, there's planning, the excitement of that and all the rest, and then the actual day, and then the videos and the pictures to remember afterwards. Uh, same thing with vacations, when you make trips somewhere. You, you talk about it, you anticipate it, what is it going to be like? And then the reality happens and then you have the memory of it afterwards. That's a beautiful way to experience life, but we've been pressured to move quickly, especially uh, through our Advent season in the church. But this year, Kevin, uh, I think we've had a nine month Advent ever since March. We're living with this uh, virus that's there, uh, all the kind of things that go with it, the negativity of it all, the, the worry, the concern, the illness, the sickness, all those deaths. And now we're kind of looking ahead to the coming of God's gift in this virus. Uh, not the virus, excuse me, but the vaccine. Uh, it's going to be a while before that happens, but nonetheless, there is hope, and that's what Advent was always all about, the hope that the Redeemer would come uh, from ancient times, and each year we kind of, in the church cycle, have gone through that, preparing for Christmas each year, and what that means for us. And I think this year, it's so powerful, uh, not only the scripture readings, but just the way we have to live now until uh, the uh, vaccine is available. So there's a reality here that I hope uh, people can pick up on because just like the scriptures, we look forward in hope to that day when the cure will happen. Uh, and it's real, it's on the horizon. So. That's what's been capturing my thoughts these days, Kevin, that whole notion. I think one of the things I've been thinking about was, is a lot with certainly all of the, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, as we mentioned, all the things were going on as a result of you know, the virus, the elections, uh, the, our, our race tensions, if you will, um, all of the tension in general out there in the world and I just think back to when Jesus came into the world, he came into an occupied, a, a group of people that were occupied by foreigners, right? The Romans occupied. Yes, right. And so the expectation of the Israelites or the people in Judea was, again, we've heard this over and over, right? That the, the, the Messiah was going to relieve them of all those burdens. Um, and, and Jesus spoke of a different burden he was going to relieve us all from. I think there still seems to be, Ron, an expectation that, uh, that, that, that God will relieve or that I should be relieved of all of my burdens, if you will, physical you know, uh, but it wasn't a physical burden he was relieving. I mean, he was he was joining us as uh, a human, 
Uh, I think that's so the the the, the citizenship, the, the the being sons and daughters of of God, of the Son of God, along that was what the offer was, and uh, as as we are made in His image. Um, so I think sometimes even today's culture, you know, you hear people say, well, "What does it mean that God loves me? What does that mean? What does it do for me?" Because people expect something, right? It, right. I pray, then something's going to happen. Uh, I remember talking to a woman once. I talked to her about prayer, and she said, well, nothing happens. So what it, the expectation during Advent is walking with God, as this author stated. I've been really focusing on what does that mean for me to be walking with God. And I think uh, Jesus, what I came to today as I was driving home from my swim workout was that, you know, Jesus gave us the, the rubrics of what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus. He talked about it uh, throughout his, his uh, time here uh, when he talked about serving others, uh, being a servant to others. And you, are and you know what, Kevin, to push this back, um, you know, this great love of God for us and his concern, and you kind of wonder, well, how come I pray and nothing happens? We have to look at the situation that the gift that we all have is the gift of free will to make choices. And in the course of human life, there were some bad choices that were made. Uh, and that ultimately is the reason why there were things like wars and plagues and all that because people made bad choices, but God was always respecting that and then trying uh, to show people that redemption was coming always. Even for the ancient people, there was that promise of being redeemed, and for us too. Uh, so uh, God doesn't force anything, but God is always trying to bring good out of evil. And that's a picture I think that Advent shows us and uh, the historical Jesus who came because he cured and he brought life back to dead people on occasions. But all those people eventually died. But the idea was that he was showing ultimately what salvation would be. The forgiveness of our sins, but also the promise of eternal life. And so when people say, I pray and nothing happens, well, something is happening if you look a little deeper. It might not be happening in the way that you would like it to happen. Right. But scripture says every prayer is responded to. Sometimes when we pray, we have to put ourselves in the prayer. I hope that uh, my aunt will uh, go to the doctor and uh, get her problem taken care of. Well, maybe the answer to the prayer is I get in my car and go to my aunt's house, wherever she is, and bring her to the doctor. Uh, so it's not just I throw that out there and say, okay, God, do something for me. Right. You know, I'm into that action. And perhaps the answer is how motivated am I, am I to enter into the situation and help to change it? 
Yeah, um, I, I think I think know, we forget that. Yeah, you know, and, and I, you're right. That was the second part of what you know what it meant to be uh, to 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 loving God and 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 is being part of being a disciple of Christ. And I think actually a lot of the Protestant faiths have that 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 you know the evangelization, not just evangelization, but the work of God was always something that was an, a verb, right? It was. So loving God was a verb, was doing something. It wasn't sitting and waiting for something to happen. Sitting in the right. and waiting for right. you know the pot of gold to fall down from the sky. And you know it was. So I think our Protestant brothers and sisters, they've been working at their faith is a verb a lot longer than us Catholics. I think sometimes, um, in different expectations. Well, you know, to use a practical example, so we have been praying uh, for the cessation of this virus, and so now we see something on the horizon. Uh, and we've been praying that medical people and scientists might find a cure, and it looks like it's beginning to happen. But then we have the awful situation of how many people died, right. you know, throughout the world and even in the U.S. Is it not close to 300,000 or something like that? Or is that the state of Illinois? I wasn't sure. But even in that situation, God is redeeming. Because even those people who have died from this, they are not forgotten. They are redeemed. And Jesus promised life after death. Uh, so life has changed, not ended. So there's good news even in the sadness because of that promise. Um, and I think, you know, that helps us to understand some of this. It's not easy to deal with that, especially if you had someone in your family or a good friend who has died from the virus. That's very sad, very sad. So. Okay, so we're going to move on to different topics, somewhat similar, though. We're talking about, you know, we started with O, o Coming Manual. Now, right. on December 17th through the 23rd, we have what we call the O antiphons. Right. What the heck are them? I wonder if people understand, you know, what, what are the O antiphons? Why are we doing it from the 17th through the 23rd? Well, in the, in the liturgy, uh, those are introductory sentences that lead to the evening prayer, which is Mary's prayer, my soul magnifies the Lord. They are the beginning and the end of that prayer, and they all uh, begin with the word O. Uh, and if people are familiar with O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, the, the hymn, those O antiphons, as they're called, are in that hymn. Uh, each of those verses, uh, look at those prayers, uh, but it originated uh, in the liturgy of the hours in the monasteries, uh, oh, centuries ago, as part of that, the last eight days before Christmas, where they prayed these prayers, O come, O come, Emmanuel, O come, O wisdom, uh, and there's so many different uh, uh, little prayers there that if our listeners could go into uh, that hymn, at least that much, 
and they they will find these beautiful prayers there. Uh, I don't know how many people are aware of the liturgy of the hours, Kevin, um, but that's something that uh, maybe we should talk about one day too, because in some of these uh, books like This Day and Magnificat, right. uh, they're shorter versions of the uh, divine office. And the folks will find those O antiphons in those little publications too. Uh, they're there. Uh, give us this day and Magnificat, and there's probably some others too. So they are repeated. There are gems. They're just gems. So um, I, the O antiphons, it's interesting, they each, you know, the importance is kind of twofold. One, it's it, the, each one of them starts out with, they highlight the, the names, the title for Messiah. Uh, oh, and I'm not going to mess this up in, in Latin, maybe, oh, sap, sapientia. Oh, wisdom. Oh, wisdom. wisdom. Yes. Right. I is, oh, Lord. Oh, Radix. Jesse, oh, Ruth Stem. Oh, Clavis David. Oh, Key of David. Oh, Orens. Oh, Rising Sun. Oh, Rex Gentium. Oh, King of Nations. And oh, Emmanuel. Yes, right. Uh, They're beautiful little uh, verses. That's what they are. Uh, which introduced the evening uh, prayer to Mary, the Magnificat, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And uh, if the folks who are listening have those uh, little books, give us this day and the Magnificat or the, some others, they will find them there. What a wonderful way to pray in those eight days leading up to uh, the feast of uh, Christmas. It's interesting, the Benedictine monks arrange the antiphons with a purpose. It's, it starts with the last title and takes the first letter of each one, E, Emmanuel, Rex, Orens, Clavis, Redix, Adonai, Sapienza. The words, Eros, Cross, are formed, meaning tomorrow I will come, which is pretty cool. So, I mean, there's so much just in this, you know, I just started reading about the O antiphons, and I was just like, Wow, there's so much, so rich, so much richness in our Catholic faith. That yes, and you know what we have borrowed, especially from the Anglicans, um, is uh, a presentation called Lessons and Carols. Oh, yeah. That started uh, right after World War I in the Anglican community. So it's a service in which... Um, little Bible readings take place, and then hymns interspersed. And it's, it's come into the Catholic uh, 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 prayers, too. Uh, you'll find them today. Uh, some of our parishes before the virus in Advent put on a ceremony of lessons and carols. And if people have uh, the ability to go to streaming on their TVs, uh, you can pick up some of these services and uh, be a part of it. There's one from Trinity uh, College in Cambridge, England. Just magnificent. So there's another one, too, there. Uh, so that's a beautiful way to spend these days leading up to Christmas uh, by watching and, and praying in those services of lessons and carols. Uh, yeah, there you know, it's we, Giselle and I go every year, Loyola University down in Chicago, 
at their um, Madonna del Strada Chapel yeah. has it every year. And this year we uh, streamed it. It was recorded. Um, you know, it didn't have the same effect of being there, but it felt more prayerful. Oh, okay. Quiet, that, you know, we didn't have to hustle down there and you get dressed up and you're going into the chapel and it's, it's kind of noisy and you're kind of distracted and you're really, it felt like you were there more for a musical show, if you will, as a ah. prayer service. And I told Giselle, I said, you know, this year felt more prayerful than ever before. Uh-huh. So yes, yeah, so Google that, like, like folks, like Ron said, Google that, uh, and you could find a ton, a ton of different, um, services from various uh, denominations that, that do the lessons. Yes. Is the Loyola one still available? Do you know? Oh, and even last year's, I think you, I saw that on there as well. Yeah, um, they're just beautiful. They are. They're very prayerful. The uh, what a wonderful way to get ready to celebrate Christmas. Yes. The opening song they always do, uh, Royal King's David. Um, where yes. They in, um, the, the the students, the singers, um, mm -hmm. and they walk into the the chapel, and before you know it, they're surrounding you on all sides, uh, and it's just just an incredible. It's very chilling. So it's just yes, like, I would de definitely recommend it. Right. But my favorite song, yeah, probably of all. And I probably should see if I could find a copy for us for the play today. So anyways, um, Ron, uh, here we are. We are 22 minutes already, and I feel like we barely scratched the surface. <laughs> <laughs> what? Do you have a special prayer for us today? Well, you know what? We've been talking about the scripture readings for Advent and the Advent prophet Isaiah. So I, I would like to uh, uh, share... A, a portion of chapter 35 from the book of the prophet Isaiah, which is so full of imagery and very joyful. So here it comes. The wilderness and the parched land will exult. The Araba, that I believe is a river, will rejoice and bloom. Like the crocus, it shall bloom abundantly and rejoice with joyful song. The glory of Lebanon will be given it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord and the splendor of our God. Strengthen the hands that are feeble. Make firm the knees that are weak. Say to the fearful of heart, be strong. Do not fear. Here is your God. He comes with vindication. He comes with divine recompense. He comes to save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall see, and the ears of the deaf shall be opened. Then the lame shall leap like a stag, and the mute tongue sing for joy. That's beautiful. It is. Beautiful. Chapter 35, if anybody would like to go to their scriptures, and there's other references uh, in Advent that again, is in those little books that people have, because if they've been looking at that, uh, each day the scripture readings are in there for the each day of Advent. So wonderful time, Kevin, for prayer and hope. 
uh, that God has not forgotten us and he is coming and he will save us now even as he sent the Messiah thousands of years ago. And I'd ask everyone to, when you have that moment, maybe turn the radio off, turn the TV off and reflect on how God is walking through the life. Ron, how about a blessing today? All right, and so may the blessing of Almighty God come upon us and descend upon us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen, Ron. I think we'll have to get another one of these in before Christmas time. So. Oh yes, we should. Uh, right. So, happy Advent, everyone. I'm gonna leave you with uh, "Once in a Royal David City." I did find Ron's King's College of Cambridge. This was uh, their entry to. Uh, once in a Royal David City. So here you go, folks. God bless. Take care. Have a great week.